listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you are listening to AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to teenagers about the topics that matter most, and we invite you, parents, to listen in on our conversations. And we hope that in listening, you'll gain insight, wisdom, courage, that some of the tools you need to have these conversations with your own Catholic teenagers. Today on the program, we are talking about the Mass, and we are very excited about it. Well, I am. Anyway, I hope my guests are too. Um, we have three young men with us. We were taping a show on discernment. So we have three young men um, who have agreed to stick around and tape another show for us on the Mass. Um, so why don't you tell us your name and where you go to school? We'll start with you. Uh, my name is Daniel Swartz, and I'm a seminarian at the Joseph Unum. I'm Joey Pascal. I go to St. Charles. My name is Tony Castridal, and I also go to St. Charles. Well, thank you all for being here. And uh, normally we have teenagers on our show, but we were blessed to have Daniel come in and and um, help us with the discernment show. So we, like I said, we had him stick around and talk about the Mass. So this will be cool because you have a different perspective on the Mass. Kind of like the Mass. Yeah. <laughs> and you can keep us from preaching heresy, too. So that's good. That's right, because I know you guys are so prone to that, right? Um, so... When I asked if you wanted to talk, actually, I asked what you wanted to talk about. And Tony, you said, let's talk about the Mass. That idea actually came from Joey. Which so. came from Joey. Okay. Which Ooh, is great. Which came from, which came from Daniel. Fast. <laughs> so, um, but the reason I bring that up is because I don't know that the majority of Catholic teenagers would be excited to talk about the Mass on Catholic radio. Um, so why is this topic appealing to you? Why was that what popped in your head and what you want to talk about today? Well... I mean, the Mass is what we do as Catholics. It encompasses so many different aspects of our faith under one roof in one hour. I mean, it's awesome. It encompasses church history, liturgy, scripture, um, the faith aspect. I mean, all of it, it comes under in one place. So what's not to like about the Mass? Yeah, um, I think it's um, really misunderstood, too, by a lot of people, what goes on in the Mass and the certain actions. So. It'll be interesting to talk about that and clear things up. Okay, and we will. I have some questions directly related to those things, though. Have you have you always loved the Mass all your life? Have you loved going to Mass? And... Um, I would say no to that. I've never disliked the Mass. It was boring for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. My parents always insisted, you know, Mass Sunday, Holy Day of Obligations. That's what we did. I mean, one side of my family's French, the other side's Italian, so you went. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that had to do simply because I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't have any kind of intellectual hook in which to participate on because you could sing. Th- that's it. But uh, uh, besides that, it gets kind of archaic. What really did it for me is when I started altar serving. Yes, uh, that, that was that was a real big. <laughs> oh, you're all point. nodding in agreement. Yeah. That really, yeah. absolutely, okay. Yeah, because I mean, it's just kind of my personality. In order for me to understand something, you got to do it. And so once I started doing and being able to have that open dialogue with the priest, like, what's this called? Why do you do that? Then things begin to make sense for me. And I begin to build up that repertoire. And Joey and Tony, you both agree with that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of the big purposes of altar serving is to get men involved in the mass. So they consider being 
or pursuing a, the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So. So, but prior to that, did you, was your experience similar to Daniel's? Were you sort oh, of yeah. bored at mass? Yeah. or mm-hmm. just? Um, yeah, pretty much. It always helped that there were donuts after mass, but... Um, <laughs> that and, does help, yeah. And whether I liked to go, to, whether I wanted to go to mass or not, I was going. So, I mean, they're pretty much just accepted it at that point. And, but like Dan said, once I started to kind of learn more about it and get kind of hands-on, my understanding and my love for it grew exponentially. Have there been any, any other uh, influential factors in your that have helped deepen your appreciation of and understanding of the Mass? One of the things that I've always loved about the Mass is the kind of the universal nature of it. Um, I've been to Mass in different places. I mean, all over the country. I've been to Mass in another country. I've been to Mass in Canada. Uh, my parents have been to Mass in Mexico. And yeah, it might be in another language, but the actions for the most part are the same and the prayers are the same. And so seeing how the church, I mean, the word Catholic means universal. So seeing how the mass really is universal wherever you go was, was a pretty awesome thought for me. I can relate to that. Uh, I used to be a missionary abroad and two of my missionary friends just recently got married uh, from the same group. The bride happened to be English and the, the groom, he was French. And so the wedding was in France in a small town in France. And I was asked to serve it. And my French isn't up to the point of fluency. And so I didn't always know exactly what was going on. But the other head server, he was probably about 15, 15 years of age. He didn't speak English to the point of fluency either. And so here we are trying to communicate with each other. But because it was the mass, we were able to look at each other at the right points, go through the actions together and help each other out. And at one point, I remember right when it transitioned from the gospel to the liturgy of the Eucharist, we both looked at each other like, it's go time. And both realized that the <laughs> other guy knew what was happening. We're like, yeah, we're serving. We're doing this. And But that was really cool on a human level as well, because here we are not able to communicate with a language that is spoken, but we're able to communicate with a language of worship, which was the mass. And that was incredible. That was an incredible experience. Like afterwards, we sought each other out at the reception and actually picked people out to translate for us and had a conversation about it. It was, it was very, that was a very, that was a very inspiring moment for me. And that guy was a teenager, you said. He was. He was yeah, 15. He was. So he understood the mass on a different level than many Catholic teenagers yeah, do. So if you're broadcasting in France, if Maximon is currently listening, there's a shout out to you. I'm sure he <laughs> is. I'm a hundred percent sure. <laughs> um, so speaking of teenagers at mass, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that many teenagers are bored at mass. Um, and, and adults too, right? That's not exclusive to kids and teenagers. Adults too, but but why? I mean, how can that be possible? What are what do what do we know that they don't know? What are they missing? Well, I think a lot of teenagers are kind of looking for that instant gratification. We come from a very stimulized culture, and we have we can play Angry Birds one minute and go watch Netflix the next, and. Um, I mean, we have so many different things and resources in our back pocket. I mean, our, look at our cell phones, how many things those can do. And so when you go to Mass after all of that, and nothing's just right there in front of you, apparent, maybe, then I think we tend to kind of dismiss it or think that it's less interesting than everything else we do, um, which I think, I mean, in tr- on truthfulness, that's the exact opposite, um, what really goes on. But I think when we have that kind of mentality, it's hard to focus in and be interested in it. Yeah, I agree. I think our society is, we're relying on things to do every second. And so when you have an hour to just just relax and be in peace at the mass, 
and to just be with Jesus and God and oh, that was a heresy. A heresy. No, you're good. Yeah. One is the same. Yeah. You're just emulating the Trinitarian <laughs> Union. Continue. You're fine. You can finish it out by saying, and the Holy Spirit. If there's heresy, I'll push it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can now just, just be in the presence of God. And that's what our society needs. You know, the funny thing about that is non-Catholics would say that the Mass is not boring because of all the standing and sitting and kneeling. Oh. And like, it's very active. Yeah. Anyway, for every, everything that was said, I completely agree with our, our culture is a noisy one. It's a distracting one. And it even on a, an, an intellectual level, it trains us that we always have to be go, 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 go. And I don't think our teenagers today, at least for myself, initially, I can speak from my own experience. And I still believe it to be true that we're taught how to worship anymore, how to put ourselves into a presence of the other, namely a community and also God himself. And that this drama that's taking place on the altar, it's, it's literally a living drama. I mean, this is a person, this is Christ, that we don't know how to insert ourselves into that. Because when we don't know how to reach out to God, namely, this is the definition of prayer, when that's not taught to us, that's what the Mass is. That's the ultimate form of that. And of course they can't participate. Of course they don't find it relevant because that's not there. So this is a show for parents, mm-hmm. many of whom are struggling with getting their teenagers to mass. So how do we teach our teenagers that? How do we teach our teenagers about worship and about prayer? Well, I might have some harsh words, but just do it. Uh, <laughs> or you can't have a, have a talk with your teenager about driving. That's fantastic. But go, go and drive with them. Uh, sit next to them. Be next to them. If you have to, jump on the brake pedal. Um, and you will have to. Yeah, exactly. Just for the record. I, my yes. mom's arm slapped me in the collarbone more times than I can remember. <laughs> and uh, that arm just comes across instinctively. And It's true. So pray with your kids. Teach them to pray. Uh, you, If you're not praying with them, they're not going to learn it. The popes have reiterated time and time again, truthfully, that the family is the school of prayer. This is the first place that it's taught. This is where it's handed down. This is where it happens. And so if you want your children to turn into people of prayer, you yourself must be a person of prayer. You know what? And adding to that from a entertainment perspective or practical, you know, cultural perspective, I've found in in working with teenagers that the teenagers who truly love to go to mass are the ones who go with their whole family and and it's an event. It's like a like after mass, they go out for lunch or for breakfast or whatever. I mean, it's it's like a, um, it's not a drudgery. It's a it's time with family, and you know we don't have a lot of time with our families anymore. Um, and and of course, those parents are those families are also prayerful families. They pray together and they worship together, and they but but making it a family event mm-hmm. is huge. I've I've found. Absolutely. I think um, Katie hit it right on the head when she said one of the big things for my family is we do go out to eat generally after mass. And something that we like to do on the way there or while we're at the restaurant waiting for the meal or whatever is talk about, well, what it, what, what went on today? What it, Maybe kind of dissect what the priest said in the homily. Um, maybe you have to put it, if you have younger children, put it into words that they understand. Explain it to them. And also some of the ceremonial actions that we do. Why do we use incense? What's with the bells? What's with the vestments? All those kind of things. I think it highly beneficial to explain to your kids what those what's the purpose of those why we use them why they're so important and i think parents it's also a kind of a spot for you to grow in knowledge as well because um 
not everyone knows that off the top of their head. Yeah, but that's the good news. If you don't know it, just Google it. Mm-hmm. Although you make sure it's a reputable <laughs> source of information, <laughs> that could be a problem. Um, I found a quote from St. John Vianney. If we really understood the Mass, we would die of joy. And I just lo- I love that. I've reflected on that and thought, that's so true. But then my question for you guys was going to be, how would our church be different if every Catholic truly understood the Mass? And then I thought, well, the answer would be we would all be dead, <laughs> according to St. John Vianney, because we would all be dead of joy, right? But assuming that we aren't going to literally die of joy. I don't know what path we're going down right now, but I like it. <laughs> assuming we don't really literally die of joy if we understand the Mass, how would our church be different if every Catholic truly understood the Mass? I mean, just speculate, just hypothetically. Wow, uh, that's a big one. You're saying that what if every Catholic understood and responded to that the presence of God himself was coming to us at every Mass? That would transform the into- entire world. You would literally see the gospel being fulfilled in our own lifetime. So I guess my point is, why aren't we doing that <laughs> <laughs> what is distracting us from that? Because I mean, there is a heaven and this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of blows my mind. As a parent, I think, why wouldn't I put all of my energy into teaching my kids the joy of the Mass? You know, if it is transformative, which I agree, Daniel, I think it would be completely transformative. So on that deeply profound theological note, I want to remind our listeners that they're listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We're here today with Daniel, Joey, and Tony, and we're talking about the Mass. Um, I want to talk about some misconceptions that people have about the Mass. You know, it is the holy sacrifice, and we refer to it as such. But when we do many non-Catholic Christians take issue with this, you know, that Christ died once and for all, the repeated sacrifice is not not only unnecessary, it's blasphemous, right? So how how do you how do you reply to that? If first of all, have you ever encountered that as a as a Daniel, yes, you're not oh, in yeah, your head. Yeah. So how do you reply to that? Well the book of Hebrews is really good. Uh it is one sacrifice. There's no way to get around that. because uh, if Christ did what he did, which is to die to take away the sins of humanity, he did it once and he did it perfectly. You don't need to reload again. He did it. Um, what the Mass does, and this needs to be made very clear, is that we enter into that reality. This is not this is not a human invention because I think a lot of times where we kind of rub up against other Christian understandings of worship is that the Mass is a human attempt to get it. We're trying to somehow recreate cavalry. And no, 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 this is – the Catholic starts from a, a top-down perspective that this is a gift given to us and which Scripture supports and that we're actually entering into something God is doing for us, that God is literally representing, not representing, but representing himself. We are not recreating cavalry. We are visiting cavalry because if God, everything God does, and this is in the person of Jesus Christ, if he does it, and God is eternal, then he does it for all eternity. And this is true of his own sacrifice. Salvation exists all about time. And what I mean by that is that cavalry is always present to us, that the sacrifice of the cross and that Christ's redemption are always present to us. And the doorway to that is the mass. 
So there you go, parents. You can sit down and have that conversation with your teenagers tonight Good at luck. dinner. Good luck. Like I said, start, shoot high and see where you go with you it. You can call Daniel and he can uh, give you the talking points in case you missed Don't any call of me. It, Write so. to me at the Josephine. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Tony or Joey, did you want to add anything to that? <laughs> They're both like, heck no. I, I, I have. <laughs> okay, go I'll, ahead. I'll see if you can make it a little practical. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously in scripture it says... Um, you know, the Eucharist, when Jesus instituted the Eucharist, he said, do this in memory of me. So when we are participating in the Eucharist, in the Mass, we, like Dan said, we're going back to Calvary to remember his sacrifice and to just like ref- to reflect on it. And so that's kind of what I was trying to get at is he wasn't, he, he was saying, do this in memory of me. He wasn't saying, do this to me again. Right. So I think it's it's pretty clear in scripture what the belief gives the us belief is, yeah. the opportunity over and over and yeah. over again. And we and we say when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come. I used to wonder we and profess your resurrection. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now the words are different. I'm getting confused. But I used to wonder why do we say that, you know? That that seems like just a statement of fact. Why is it so significant, you know? And then I thought, wow, for early Christians, it was extremely significant. And that doesn't change. That hasn't changed for yeah. us. Yeah. Even though we take it for granted, you know, 2,000 years later. Um, okay, here's a good one. Our pastor is boring and the music is terrible. I just don't get anything out of mass. How do you respond to that? No, you're boring and you're terrible. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I'm not kidding, nice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I think Dan has a point because when people say I that, do? <laughs> I, I, I actually I agree with that statement. Because Tony, I think, please continue. <laughs> Tony, you agree that people are boring and terrible. Well, when you when you put it that way, I I think that sounds very entitled to me. It's like I the mass owes me something. I'm here so I can get something out of it, and. I would have, my response to that would be, well, if we took a look from what Christ was seeing from the altar, what would we see? We would see you standing there looking like this is the worst thing in your life. So what do we put into the Mass? What do we give to Christ? It's a relationship that we have with Christ, and that Mass, and the Mass is a relationship. So in a relationship, you can't just take. You have to give as well for that relationship to mutually work. So what are we giving? How are we giving our worship in the Mass so that so that it is a mutual relationship and that it's as beautiful as it could be. So if we gave as much as Christ gave us, how much more interesting would the mass be? Would it be boring anymore? Would it be terrible anymore? Yeah. Wow. I didn't think you could land that plane. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think during the mass, we aren't, when people say they're bored, I don't think they're really attentive or listening or trying to listen or be attentive because I always think of it, um, as what if President Obama were in a room with us and he was talking about something and interacting with us, would we just be like half asleep or, you know, not listening? And then we have the King of Kings, Jesus, there, and we still can't be attentive. I mean, that's that's got to be a self problem. Full Machine once had a quote, and I can't remember it. It's an entirety, but he said, events aren't boring people are just bored in which boredom as as a human reality just simply shows a lack of interest and when we have that there's not an understanding on what the thing is so when people say well the music is boring the preachers you're you're looking at the non-essentials when we're looking at the last supper 
all the music they had were their own voices. There wasn't much preaching going on. I mean, there was the last instruction of Jesus, but mainly the gospel writers are focusing on what is happening, and that's the meal of the Eucharist. And that, that I mean, that's the crooks right there. All the rest is, uh, well, I don't want to say fluff, but it, it it's all lending its assistance to that quintessential moment of worship. What about the argument that Catholics are just like robots at Mass? We're just going through the motions. Actually, I would agree with that. <laughs> I think a lot of times that's true. But I think what people, I think the the argument is that the mass is structured so that Catholics are supposed to be robotic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Some robots are really exciting. I mean, but, robots are cool. Yeah, they are. Robots are cool. There's no denying. But I'm going to work with this analogy. Okay. I think, and th- this is C.S. Lewis, where he took he took on the issue of ritual within the context of worship. So we're talking about liturgy. We're talking about mass. We're talking about um, structured prayer. And he said, it's not the fact that it's, and again, this is not a direct quote. This is me paraphrasing Lewis on worship. It's not the fact that we are going through the same motions again and again and being robotic and being systematic. No, it gives us, it gives us a context like a rosary saying those prayers over and over again. It's not for their own sake. But it gets us into a mode. There's a predictability here. It's almost like someone who's going about their work, like someone chopping wood or sawing or hammering. You get into a rhythm so that your mind can slip into that activity all the easier. And that's the same with the mass. The prayers are there. um, The worship is there. Familiar songs are there so that we can enter into it more fully. We can enter in what it means to go into ritual, to go into liturgy. It's not being robotic. It's being repetitive. But it's not being robotic. Although that being said, the predictability and the repetition, every time you do it, you, every time you recite the, the prayers of the Mass or participate, it can be a completely different experience. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, now, granted, the caveat here is that there is the temptation to become robotic. Mm-hmm. There is the danger that they can happen. Right. I will admit that. So does that happen to you guys? I definitely think there are days that we don't focus on what's truly important. We are just literally going through the motions where we have to be there or we're there for whatever reason and we're tired or we're not, I don't know, we're focused on something else, what's going to happen after the Mass, where we're going. And so we're just, well, let's 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 kneel, let's stand, let's sit, let's look like we're paying attention just enough to get us out of here, out the door. Um, or, or like, wait, did we say the creed yet? That, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, it's daily Mass. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. But, but anyway, so I think <laughs> but anyway, um so I think we can slip into that temptation very easily. And I think sometimes I mean this might be a little abrupt to say, but I think the devil would try to get us into that repetitive motion because if the if what we do as Catholics is the mass, that it's the most important and the most beautiful thing we can do, then what more does the devil want than to distract us from that, to keep us from what's truly beautiful and what's mm-hmm. truly important? And so I think it's a great spiritual thing to make sure you're you're warding off those temptations you're putting yourself in a frame of mind in a place where you can actively enter into worship and actively enter into the continuation of what happened on calvary any other misconceptions you guys think there are about mass well either among catholics or non-catholics there's a lot i don't know if we have time for all no we only have three minutes so give us like a quick one a quick one (laughs) oh man um Let's see if I can pull one off the top of my head here. One is, I think, the contents of homilies. These seem to be people's pet peeves. It seems they're 
experience of the mass hinges upon whether or not the homily and you can't see right now, but I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers. Oh, that's fingers. a thing on the show, air quotes. Air quotes? Yeah, we we'll okay, use them I'm all the time. Right now. Go right ahead. And I'm in the family. Yep. And uh, air quoting that they related to the homily. Now, the homily is supposed to be the opening of Scripture. And believe it or not, Jesus still shows up in the Eucharist regardless of what happens in the homily. And that's why it's also really important to read the readings prior to Mass. Oh, yeah. Because, it, because maybe the homily isn't exactly what you're supposed to be getting out of the readings, but that's the priest can't determine what every single person in that church is supposed to have, you know, gleaned from the readings that day. So and there's a cool story when I was in Britain about a particular uh, homilist and they were discussing uh, with this priest, whether or not the homily was essential. Cause some people said they weren't relating to the homilies and one guy silenced the conversation. And he said, you know, my wife has cooked every dinner for me since we've been married. And I don't think I can remember more than a handful of meals. But if I didn't have those meals, I know I would be dead. I think that was pretty relevant to preaching in terms of spiritual life. I thought he was going to say, and I didn't like every one of them. (laughs) Well, that's that's kind of one of those fill in the blank. She may have been in the room. We don't know. (laughs) You go a lot of different places with that analogy. Um, All right. I'm sorry. We are out of time. But I... I love that you guys are so excited about talking about the mass. I, I, it just, I think it gives people such hope to hear young people who truly understand and love the experience of the, the, um, the Holy Mass. So thank you for coming and for sharing that with us. We're going to close with a quick prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, we just give you thanks for the many gifts and blessings you've given us. Too, too numerous to count, too numerous to name one of which being um, the Mass, Lord. We just ask that we never take it for granted, that we um, worship with our whole hearts, that we participate fully and actively, and that we remember where we are and that there's no better place to be at any given time. And we ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt, and until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Many sanctity.